Hello again and welcome to the MMA Crusader podcast. I'm your host, the MMA Crusader. And we had to sort of do a midweek episode this week because the fight card of the year so far is scheduled for Saturday and it is completely stacked from the early prelims, the prelims, all the way to the main card. You're not going to want to miss any fights And these are the kind of cards that I love, where you can literally just sit on your couch, turn on the TV, have have some snacks, and watch fights for six hours straight, and just doesn't get old because all the matchups are so on point for this. Um, I guess I'll start at the beginning of the card, and I'll go all the way through to the main card and the main events. Um... The only fight, really, I guess, there there are some bangers. There's some guys that like some really undercover people or some people that are really into MMA might know. But the standout to me on the early prelims is Sean Brady against Jake Matthews at 170 pounds. And it's funny because Jake Matthews was sort of looked at as maybe, maybe like the next coming or almost like a prodigy. That was coming up in the 170-pound division. He had a couple losses. Um, He's since rebounded with a couple decent wins. Nothing spectacular. He's been kind of like, I don't want to say average, because obviously if you fight in the UFC, you're way above average. But he wasn't the guy that maybe experts were kind of thinking he would be. So he sort of petered out a little bit, but he's, you know, hovering right around, you know, being ranked. But he's going up against Sean Brady, who is a real prospect. Undefeated guy. Really, from what I've seen of him in the UFC, he hasn't really had a close fight. He has really good grappling. Strong kid. Good striker. And he's just, he has like a really strong will. He's just a well-built kid. He's tough, he's big, he's strong. And he could make some noise in this division. And this is why this is the perfect fight for this time in his career. Because Jake Matthews is no slouch. But he's not quite that elite level. So if Sean Brady is able to win or even dominate Jake Matthews, we know what we got on our hands. We got a prospect at 170 pounds, which that division is already stacked. However, Usman has sort of already cleared out the top 10 with a few exceptions. But it would be nice to have a new name in that already deep 170-pound division. So that's one fight I'm excited about in the early prelims. Let's move on to the regular prelims. Um, Rodrigo Burin versus Kai Cara France at 125 pounds. This should be a great fight. Both guys are ranked in the top 10. Uh, both guys have exciting styles. They're both fast. They're quick on their feet. They have, you know, Boudreen obviously has really good grappling, whereas Kai Car France has pretty good grappling. I would say holds the, uh, the stand-up edge, though. So it's going to be a great matchup. Again, two top 10 guys at 125 on the first prelim fight of the night. The first prelim fight. Uh, after that, you have Joseph Benavidez versus Oscar Oskarov at 125 pounds. And 
basically, you're looking at a number one contender fight. Obviously, Joey Benavidez uh, coming off of the knockout loss to Figueiredo, the champ. Uh, two back-to-back losses, even though one, you know, we sort of gave him the nod for because Figueiredo didn't make weight. But uh, nonetheless, Joe lost both of those fights. And, you know, Joe Benavidez is a good dude. You hate to see him lose. Um, I'm not sure if he's still at that top, top tier level at 125 pounds. And Oskarov is going to be the one to test it because this guy looks like he's elite. Uh, Another great grappler out of Russia. Strong will, tough to break. Uh, No real weaknesses, but this will be his toughest test. And I think after Figueredo and Marino kind of battle after their second fight, who knows what will happen with that. Could be a third fight. But Oskarov, with a win, lines himself up for a title shot. Uh, So, I I mean, I'm excited about that fight. 125 pounds is not dead. It's not going anywhere. There are fights to be made, and there are great fighters. So... I'm really looking forward to this matchup, too. Again, this is in the prelims, guys. Again, two top five fighters in their divisions. So exciting. Uh, the next fight, Song Yudong versus Kyler Phillips. Now, a lot of people don't really know these names if you're not uh, really immersed in MMA. But Song Yudong is a fun, exciting fighter out of China. They're always trying to push guys From what I've noticed, they're always trying to push guys from big markets, right? So I'm not saying that his push is unwarranted, uh, but they always sort of put a little extra in when they can get a market like China. But he he is an exciting prospect at 135 pounds. He is an exciting fighter with a crowd-pleasing style. Kyler Phillips is a guy that sort of has shown patches of greatness. Not greatness, but patches of being very good. Uh, He was on the Ultimate Fighter, came up short there, but he's really actually well-rounded, and he's sneaky good. You know, he's one of those names where, you know, the average fight fan doesn't really know him, but he's sneaky good. I'm telling you, watch out for this matchup. I think it's going to be fireworks. I think it's going to be one of the best fights of the night, even though it's not really being looked at because, you know, the card is so stacked, but Song Yudong, Kyler Phillips at 135 pounds is going to be a banger. Trust me on that. And then rounding out the prelims, guys. We're still in the prelims, and we've already seen three fights that could be a main, three main card fights on a regular fight night. So, uh, but the last fight rounding out the prelims, Dominic Cruz versus Casey Kenny. I mean, crazy. Dominic Cruz in the prelims. It's it's insane. Um, You know, Dominic Cruz obviously coming off another long layoff. Uh, it's tough. You never know what you're going to get out of Dominic. It's, you know, I know he doesn't believe in ring rust, but when you go this long in between fights, you just don't know what kind of guy you're going to see in there. I uh, I thought he looked okay against Cejudo. Cejudo is so elite. He really is, man. And we don't give that guy enough credit because, like, his his silly act that he does with the triple C thing. And But that guy is amazing to watch. So well-rounded, so polished, such a tremendous athlete. So I can't really judge Cruz based on his last fight because I think Cejudo was just that good. Casey Kenny, same thing, man. It's He's shown signs that he could be a real contender. 
at 135. But uh, he's also shown some some weaknesses. Maybe I think he gets hit a little too much. Uh, I think he maybe exudes a little too much energy early in the fight rather than let the fight come to him. I think I love when guys push the pace. I think sometimes he pushes it too much. But I imagine he'll have the grappling advantage. But Dominic is crafty, man. And if you put a guy in front of him that is easy to hit, Dominic's game plan should be, obviously, hit and move, hit and move, hit and move. And I think Kenny is going to give him those opportunities. Kenny is the favorite, surprisingly. The odds are like minus 137. So just a, just above even, but still a favorite nonetheless. That would be one where I would probably take the underdog. I could be wrong on this. Casey Kenny's a young kid, a lot of heart, a lot of grit. We don't know what Dominic Cruz we're going to get. But if I was going to bet... As far as the prelims go, anyway, if I was going to bet on underdog, uh, Dominic Cruz might be that guy. So that's going to be an interesting matchup to see. You know, Cruz could be done. And if he puts in a sort of lackluster performance here and gets dominated, or if it's, you know, a pretty sound victory by Kenny, he might, I think he could hang it up. You know, he has the commentary gig. He's been fighting a long time. He's been plagued with injuries for so long. I think this is a test for him, too, in his own mind, that if he can't beat a guy like Casey Kenny, I think he could call it quits. But hopefully it doesn't happen. I really like seeing Dominic fight. There's really nobody like him. He's exciting. I love him as a commentator, though. So either way, I, he'll still be involved. But uh, that, So that's rounding out the prelims. And, I mean, again, stacked prelims. Uh, let's go to the main card, though. Tiago Santos versus Alexander Rakic. This is an exciting fight. Super exciting fight. Another chance for a fight in the night. Uh, Rakic has been sort of, I would say, the number one prospect at light heavyweight in the last few months. The guy they're really looking at. He has good size, great stand-up. Just the ability to move in there. He's just a very good striker. Very good at distance and timing. And he has some highlight reel finishes, man. This guy, he could be the real deal. But Tiago Santos, man, that guy is as game as it gets. And he is elite. You cannot get rid of Tiago Santos. And he's coming off of a bad performance against Glover Teixeira. So he's going to be hungrier than ever. And, you know, the Teixeira fight was the first one off of that really terrible leg injury or injuries that he sustained against John Jones. So he's coming off a long layoff, bad leg injuries, so he had a lackluster performance against Glover Teixeira. This was a full camp for him. This is a dangerous Tiago Santos. I'm taking Santos in this one. I know everybody's excited about Rockets, but he's not as proven. I know he maybe has a little less wear and tear, but... Man, I got to go with Tiago Santos on this one. I think this is too much too soon for Rockets. Give me Santos for the win. All right, next, another banger at 155. Islam Makachev versus Drew Dober. Man, this is an exciting fight. Islam Makachev could be your next 155-pound champ if Khabib chooses to stay retired. This is what this is what Khabib's dream was, right? He wanted to get the championship, go out undefeated, and then be replaced by his countryman, 
his number one training partner, Islam Makachev. And Makachev actually has better striking than Khabib. I don't think he has the stamina. I don't think he has the grappling that Khabib does. Either one of those two things. But I think he has a better striker, and he's obviously very well-rounded. I don't... With Khabib being gone, I don't see him facing another grappler on his level. Now, someone could argue maybe Charles Oliveira, but that's different to me, right? He's more jiu-jitsu oriented. He's more, you know, wanting to submit you. Islam Makachev is is a guy that's going to stabilize you and pin you and dominate you, just like Khabib did. He's very similar fighting styles in a way. But uh, don't sleep on Drew Dober, man. I thought this guy was sort of a one-trick pony, you know, being a Muay Thai guy. Super fit kid. I mean, there's no quitting him. Like, forget the whole pretty boy image. This guy's tough. And he has the athletic ability. He has the knockout power to kind of turn this thing around on Makachev. If Makachev's not careful. If he gets, I mean, he could tear up Islam's legs. He could knock him out with either hand, either leg. Drew Dover is dangerous. I just don't know if he has the takedown defense to fend off Makachev for all three rounds. Or even the first round, for that matter. If this fight stays standing, no doubt about it, Drew Dober has the advantage. I just, I can't see a way in which he can keep it there. He has very good takedown defense. It's improved. It's definitely improved over, you know, his, his career in the UFC. But I don't think it's good enough to keep it standing with Makachev. And it's a shame, too, because Dober could win this fight. But I think Makachev is going to be a little too much. But at minus 335, I would give Drew Dober a look. You know, eight times out of ten, I think Makachev wins. But man, for minus 335 odds, I'm taking Dober in that one. I do think Makachev is going to win as far as what my prediction is. But if I'm a betting man, I might give Dober a look at those odds. But again, regardless of what happens, regardless, it's a great matchup. And it's just going to keep this 155-pound division moving. Love the matchup. Another exciting fight. Good matchup of styles. Now, for the first title fight of the night. Peter Jan, or Piotr Jan, however you want to uh, say it, versus Aljamain Sterling. This is the most interesting fight of the night in my eyes. Mainly because I don't like the other two matchups. And I'll get into that after this. But this is the hardest one to call. Even Vegas thinks, though. It's even odds. That is super rare in a title fight to be even odds. Both of these guys are elite at 135. These guys are the two best guys in the best division. You know, these guys, Jan and Sterling, are should both be on that pound-for-pound pound list. And they will be, depending on what happens after that fight. One of them is going to be top five pound-for-pound. Pound. So, here's, I guess, sort of my analysis. Obviously, I think Aljamain has the advantage as far as the grappling goes. Jan is no slouch when it comes to grappling. Great wrestling and he avoids it well. That's the key. Is he avoids the takedowns well. 
He uses wrestling. He picks his spots well where he uses his wrestling. And his boxing is, you know, probably the best in the division. But Aljo is tricky, man. He does a lot of unorthodox things. And, you know, everybody's flavor of the week, Corey Sandhagen, who I'm not that big on, to be honest with you. You know, I, I think Marais has shown, you know, that he's susceptible to knockouts. And, you know, Edgar is sort of on the way out. So everybody wants to act like Sandhagen on a two-fight win streak because it's an untouchable thing. Aljo strangled this guy. Strangled him in a minute and a half. So I'm not ready to anoint Corey Sandhagen anything. Anyway, Aljamain Sterling is a beast, right? Very few slip-ups in his MMA career. You know, he had a loss to Brian Caraway, which could have went either way. And then, of course, he got caught by Marais. But since then has been taking dudes out and looked good. And he's sort of evolved his game. And he's really well-rounded. Now, with all that being said, I'm picking Piotr Jan. And the simple reason is, a lot of times when you look at who to pick for a fight or what you think is going to happen in a prediction, there's, there's very few sure things. And to me... The main thing I would bet on as far as like fighter characteristics isn't knockout power or speed or anything like that. It's a gas tank. It's a gas tank and grit. You know, you look at the sure bets, right? The things, the guys you can always sort of count on to win. Kamaru Usman. Khabib, you know, guys of that style that just do not get tired. Even Dustin Poirier, right? You look at a guy like Dustin Poirier, you look at a guy like Usman, you look at a guy like Khabib even. They're not going to blow you away with anything flashy. But they never get tired and they never quit. And over the course of a five-round fight, that, that's unbeatable. That's the safest bet. You know, a knockout puncher relies on perfect timing, perfect positioning, and just the, you know, just the right amount of ha- things have to happen in order for that power puncher to land that punch. Same thing with a guy who's a submission artist. He sort of needs a guy to make a mistake. Or he needs everything to be going so well that he has to will things into his position to submit. Whereas a guy that's got a gas tank and got that extra level of grit, man, it just takes time. That's it. It's It's like stocks, right? You know, there's growth stocks and then there's these long term dividend stocks. You know, the growth stock could have a flashy ending, right? You could make money really quick, but you might not. You could lose money easily. Or you could take these slow-growing stocks that pay small amounts of dividends that are so boring, but they always win over time. And that's how I look at this matchup. Piotr Jan, which... Already, he's amazing, and and he's flashy, and he has great stand-up, and he's super well-rounded. 
but he has the grit. He has the gas tank. There was a fight, his last fight, against Jose Aldo. There was three sways in that fight. Now, I can tell you, watching all the fights that I watch, there is very rarely ever three sways in a fight. And I'll tell you what I mean by this. So, let's say a guy goes in, dominates. You know, they start they, they start in a neutral position, right? And the guy goes in and dominates. That's one sway. Or you have the alternative to that. Guy comes in. You know, they're neutral. Guy dominates. Fails to finish. And then the other guy comes back and wins the fight on him. That's two sways. One guy was winning. The other guy came back. Ended up putting it on him, which happens a lot. When you see a guy get a guy hurt early, right? Let's say a fighter gets his opponent hurt early, where he's out on his feet. Everybody's excited. The announcers are screaming. When he doesn't finish his opponent after he's had him hurt, he breaks mentally a little bit. And whenever I'm watching a fight with somebody, I say, watch. This guy's in trouble. And people look at me like I'm crazy because like, what do you mean? This guy, you know, he almost had his opponent knocked out. You don't think he'll just come out in the next round and do the same thing? No. Because when you throw everything in the kitchen sink at a guy and he's still standing there, you break. You break mentally. And we've seen this a ton of times. You know, Connor versus Nate. When Nate just kept getting up and took Connor's best shot, that was it. He broke. Same thing just happened in the Dustin fight with him. The same thing happened when, you know, you have you see it in so many so many instances where a guy's hurt, and when you can't finish him, man, you can't put out that kind of output again, that kind of effort. You can't. You you, you used everything you had. You blew your load, and he's still standing there. It's like Rocky and Apollo Creed, and Rocky won basically. <laughs> it's my only analogy for that. But what I was saying was when he fought, when Piotr Jan fought Jose Aldo, there were three sways in that fight. So it started, Piotr Jan looked great, right? He's boxing him heavy, looking great, movement on the outside. Then the tide turned. Aldo started landing leg kicks. He looked like he really damaged Piotr's uh, leg at one point in that second, mid-third round. And Aldo was putting it on Jan. I said, oh, I guess that's it. Because you know how this goes, right? This is what I was just talking about. 90, 95% of the time, on that second sway, it's over. But something really interesting happened, man. And it is that championship grind, that championship tenacity, that championship gas tank. And Piotr Jan had the third sway. Had it, lost it, regained it. That almost never happens in fights. Trust me, folks. I've watched a lot of fights. I've rarely seen that ever. To have a guy leading in a fight, go down, then come back again. It almost never happens, ever. So that showed me something I haven't seen in Aljo. I think Aljo will look good early. I think it'll be pretty even until about rounds four or five, which is exactly what happened to Aldo. Jan ended up finishing Aldo. 
I think he finishes Sterling late. Now, Sterling's chance to win this fight is early, right? He's got to catch him in a sub. I don't think... Jan just looks like he's just too sturdy, too good of a chin. I don't think Aljo can knock him out. I really don't. I think Aljo's only chances are to get him in a submission. That's his best chance. I'm not saying that can't happen, but I'm saying that's probably the only way it can happen, where I think Jan can win different ways. I think Jan can win from the outside. I think Jan could win with takedowns. I think Jan could win with mixing it up, outpointing him. I think Jan could knock out Aljo. I just see he has this extra level of one-two that I don't think Aljamain Sterling has. So again, an amazing fight. And this is going to tell us exactly who the king is at 135. Because these are the two best guys. There's no argument. You can say Sandhagen all you want. But it's these two. And that's it. So this is the fight I'm most excited about. That's what I'm... Obviously, I took a long time breaking that down. But that's the one I'm looking most forward to. I got Jan by late stoppage. Okay. Now, the co-main event of the evening, Amanda Nunes versus Megan Anderson. And there's not really a whole lot to break down here. I think Nunez dominates. I think Nunez finishes her. I think uh, Megan Anderson is slow. I don't think she's that skilled. I think this is an easy fight for Nunez. But again, it's a necessary fight, right? Because she's the champ champ. You have to keep her busy. And I guess Anderson is sort of just next in line. I'm not positive off the top of my head what her UFC record is. I think it's somewhere around 500. Maybe she's two and two, three and two, maybe something, you know, four and three, something along those lines. But uh, you know, she she looks the part, right? She's a six foot tall girl. She's gonna have the height advantage. She's gonna have the reach advantage. She got, you know, she's tatted up. She looks the part. But this girl has shown no signs of being an elite fighter. I don't think her movement's good. I think she's stiff. I think she's slow. I mean, at this point, I think the only fight that's challenging for Nunez, if not a cyborg fight, because obviously cyborg's not coming back. It looks like she's going to stick around a belt tour, is uh, the only fight that even gives her a challenge right now as far as who's in the UFC is Valentina Shevchenko. That's it. And I feel the same thing about Shevchenko, that Nunez is the only matchup for her. It's just hard to argue for a third fight when Nunez won, you know, the previous two, even though I don't think she did. But as far as this matchup goes, uh, Megan Anderson is... A little bit more than a speed bump. I think Amanda Nunez puts it on her, and then hopefully the ref jumps in early because it's just going to keep coming. There's nothing Megan Anderson can do better than Amanda Nunez. There's nothing she can even do. There's nothing she can do half as good as Amanda Nunez. I'm not mad at the UFC though. I'm, I'm, this is a huge mismatch, but it's not their fault. It's who's available, and you know she's 
double champ defending the 135, 145 pound division, both at the same time. You know, Megan Anderson's just kind of there. It's one of the girls she hasn't beaten yet. So, I mean, I'm taking Nunez by, I'll say, maybe mid-second round finish. Could be anything. Could be a tap. Could be a KO. I'm guessing it's going to be a referee stoppage. But, uh, I'm, you know, it's a championship fight nonetheless. I love to watch Amanda fight. I think she's amazing. Uh, I remember the first time I thought she was going to be a contender was when she beat up Sarah McMahon. This was back in like 2015. And I said, you know, I was really just starting to get back into, you know, MMA when I started jujitsu. But I watched her and I said, man, the way she moves, the way she throws her hands, I mean, she, she doesn't move like everyone else. She's different. And even though she had some losses on her record at that time, man, I had a feeling like, whew, this girl is going to be one to watch. And, you know, lo and behold, a couple years later, champ, champ, and dominating two divisions at once. Unbelievable. So, yeah, I go with Nunez. Second round, referee stoppage. All right, and on to the main event. Jan Blakowicz versus Israel Adesanya for the 205-pound light heavyweight strap. Now, this was a total promotional move, and this sort of bugs me um, because you can kind of see it coming from a mile away what the UFC wants to happen. To me, the only time a, a guy or girl should go for champ-champ status double champ, whatever you want to call it, is when there's no one left to beat in the division. And, you know, Adesanya just got that 185-pound belt. You know, he had the, he won the interim title against Gaslam. That ain't the title. But he beats Robert Whitaker. He gets the weird matchup against Yoel Romero. And then he beats Boashinia. Well, in my eyes, two title defenses isn't enough to warrant. Like, okay, well, there's no more matchups for him at this weight class. Move him on up. Like, it, you know, Jan isn't marketable, right? Let's be honest. The UFC wants Israel Adesanya to end the night with two straps over his shoulders. There's no way the UFC wants, or, is, or they see the matchup, right? It's the worst possible matchup for Jan. Izzy is rangy. He's a great striker. And Jan, it's, you know, I don't want to say he's a punching bag, but he's not the hardest guy to hit. And I don't think if Reyes had won the title instead of Blahovic, you'd see this matchup. Because Izzy doesn't match up as well with Reyes. I think they see this as an easy double champ moment for Israel Adesanya. And I don't blame him. But I just don't like it. I think it's too forced. But nonetheless, I think it's an interesting fight. Uh, I think Jan has amazing power. I think he's made a lot of adjustments over his career. But he's still that guy. Uh, I thought he fought a great fight against Reyes. I picked Reyes to win that fight. I'm not going to lie. 
I, I thought and I still do think that Reyes has more tools. I'm not saying anything bad about Jan. Jan's a, a great fighter and he's, look, you know, light heavyweight, he's right there. He's a top guy. But I, I see what the UFC and Israel Adesanya sees. This was the same thing that GSP saw when Bisping became champ at middleweight. If Luke Rockhold beats Bisping and retains the title, GSP doesn't come back and fight Luke Rockhold. No way. This, the matchup doesn't make sense. Rockhold's grappling was too strong. Rockhold was too good of an athlete. But anything can happen on a fight night. Bisping wins by knockout and GSP jumps at the opportunity. Now, did Bisping have the chance to beat GSP? Obviously, yes, everyone has a chance in a fight. But the UFC knew Bisping wasn't going to win that fight. So did GSP. That's why he came back. That's why the UFC broke the bank to have GSP come back. They knew what was going to happen, and they know what's going to happen in this one. Now, could Jan land, you know, a powerful hook that just sends Izzy into the nether realm? Absolutely, it could happen. Could he use those leg kicks as effectively as he did against Reyes? No. No way. Izzy's style is too much. His striking is too good. His defense, he's too experienced. His defense, his length, his range. He has too much skill striking. Now, Jan has decent takedown, decent grappling. But I don't think it's good enough to hold Izzy down. The way I see this fight going is, I see Adesanya just kind of piecing Jan up. This could, look, it could either be a boring fight. Or it could be another thing where Jan just takes too much punishment and it gets stopped. I hope Blahovic can land something because I think he's sort of being disrespected here. You know, your first title defense is against a guy who's not even in your division. A guy with all the push, all the pop. Everybody sees this fight going the same way. Everyone sees... Izzy, peace and Yana. And so do I. Uh, I I don't know if he can stop him. I don't know if his power will translate to 205. But his striking is just too good. Adesanya is on another level. And I, I think it sucks because I, I think his plans are is to leave 205 anyway and come right back down to middleweight. But... They want to grow Adesanya's legacy or his his public image, which I'm fine with, you know. He's an exciting guy. He's good for the sport. He brings eyes to the sport. He also brings in, let's be honest, another new, you know, fan base out of Africa. You know, I mean, look, Usman has African parents, but, you know, he's... He's an American. 
and you know Adesanya I know he's from New Zealand but he is seen almost as more African he's on the same level as like Nganu so he's more to market to that fan base and we all know as many fan bases as the UFC can capture the better but Israel he translated he translates across all fan bases because he's good on the mic and he's an, he has an exciting style. You're always going to want to watch a guy like that fight. So I think he has an easy matchup. Not easy, but as easy as they get for as far as championship fights go. I see Israel Adesanya winning by five-round decision. I hope people aren't bored because you can't expect a guy like that to take chances with a, with, with a power hitter like, like Jan Blachowicz. So I see Izzy piecing him up. I, I think this is going to be a lot I think this is going to be a lot like the Romero fight. Except the problem is if Blahovich is more aggressive than Romero was, he's opening himself up to get caught. So either he stays in his shell like Romero does and gets outpointed, or he opens up and just gets completely up. So I got Izzy by five-round decision. So again, sorry guys, this was kind of a long one, but man, it's just so many exciting fights to talk about. I can't wait to watch this card. I will definitely be breaking down the results on whatever happens after the fact. So stay tuned for that. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh, keep staying with me. And uh, we'll keep doing it. Thanks.